Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. First time being streamed live on YouTube as well. I want to start by saying that something really cool is about ready to happen. Uh, The NBA draft is on July 29th at 7 o'clock p.m. And we are going to be doing a a live draft show right here on our YouTube channel on the Locked On NBA Network. NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, myself, Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live covering this year's NBA draft. It's Locked On the NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. It is less than a week away from the NBA Draft. I have my longtime friend, partner in crime at ESPN for years, Mark Stein uh, is with us today, author of a new newsletter on Substack, uh, markstein.substack.com. Welcome back to the show, Mark. How you been, man? We just finished the finals and now it's your finals. I hope you're ready. Yeah, of course I'm ready. And, and you know, for those of you that have been following the podcast, you know that Mark was my very first guest on the NBA Big Board podcast way back when. And we were sort of setting up this in the pandemic, you know, what, what are teams doing and, you know, how are they handling the draft? Now we're getting ready for the NBA draft. And now look, Mark is not a, a draft Nick like me. He doesn't follow the draft heavily, but he does cover all 30 teams. And a big part of the draft is draft trades and sort of thinking what these front offices are going to do here. And so I thought Mark was the perfect guest to bring on today and talk about some of that stuff. But I want to start with your newsletter, Mark. And, you know, you were with ESPN. We were part of that same layoff at ESPN. You go over to New York Times for a couple of years, uh, doing great work over there. What made you decide, hey, I'm going to go the Substack route, start my own newsletter, uh, tell us about and tell us about it? Yeah, look, it's it really is just uh, an incredible opportunity and just the chance to really run your own publication to be a publisher you know we've both been doing this a long time i i just finished my 28th season and i've had a lot of different roles and i've covered this league in a lot of different ways but i've never been able to say you know i'm the publisher i'm the guy who decides what we're gonna write where we're gonna go when the posts are gonna hit answer all the questions And just this, you know, I've kind of described it as it's this just deliciously blank canvas. And, you know, when I talk to college, college students have been asking me for years, you know, predict what's next, you know, what's Twitter changed our business, I think, like nothing else in our lifetimes. It just made self-publishing possible. And, And now I see Substack and newslettering and Substack in particular, the way it, it delivers the, the newsletters and empowers people like you and I to be publishers, it, it's it's kind of like the next game changer. And I just couldn't resist jumping into this world. I mean, the New York Times was a dream come true for me and a really hard place to leave. I mean, you you know me pretty well. I'm a newspaper geek at heart. Every time I had a story in the New York Times, I I bought two copies. I'm in my 50s and I'm still that nerdy about it and so proud to have my work in there. But this is truly, this is is like a new adventure. It's it's like, it really feels like stepping 
into a new frontier. And I, I, I had to try it. I mean, I just been, I was thinking about it every day for so long, watching you do it, watching Henry Abbott, our former ESPN colleague, do it. And I just, I just kept feeling that pull that to, to, you know, to step into this world. And so now I've, now I've done it and I've basically been publishing for the last, this is, this is week two and I'm trying to get the hang of it, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's invigorating. It's really, it's really a cool platform. You know, I just did a live zoom uh, with a bunch of my subscribers. It was awesome. Uh, you'd be able to interact. Uh, the comment section, I think, is a really cool part of Substack and the be ability to be able to interact. And I see you're already doing uh, that with your fans uh, as well. And so you get the newsletter, which is cool, but you also just have this community, I think, that you can, you can build at Substack, which was harder to do at those other publications. And, and I know I've really enjoyed it. I'm actually seeing familiar faces like now coming back and uh, being able to engage in conversation with them. It's, it's been really awesome. You can go to Mark's new Substack. Uh, give us your, give him your email. You'll get it in your inbox. It's all free right now. Right. As, as well, Mark. Yeah. And I, I think an important thing, you know, at the, I never did a newsletter until I went to the times and the times, all my work, was behind a paywall, but my Tuesday newsletter was free to everyone. And it will always be that way. I'm going to keep doing the same Tuesday newsletter that I've always done for the last basically three years since January of 2018. I will keep that one free. And so, you know, if you just want to sign up for that and start there, you know, that option remains open to you just like it always was at the times. And, you know, I'm going to be posting a lot, writing a lot, you know, news, opinion, historical perspective, um, and, and that community that you talked about. I mean, you just, you can connect with the readers in a way that really um, you, you can't do at a lot of other places. So it's, uh, you know, I've got a lot to learn. I'm just kind of getting started here, but um, I'm trying to figure it out too. You know, what are, what are the best forms of content? And I know you do a lot of different things and you know, that's kind of the cool thing too, is that we're, you know, we're learning as we go and there's just all kinds of ways you can go. Yeah. I was just asking my readers the other day, like, what do you want to see? What do you, what do you want? Which, you know, would never happen at ESPN. Right. And you got some actually really creative ideas of some stuff that I'm going to definitely check out. And with free agency just around the corner and trades and everything else, make sure you go check him out. That's markstein.substack.com. Uh, for those of you that are listening, you can also check out my Substack at nbabigboard.com where we've got tons of mock drafts. Uh, right now I'm doing my personal mock draft, uh, which is something I typically didn't do at ESPN. These are the uh, players that I would take if I was general manager for all 30 teams right now. We did our draft tier stuff. I uh, got news and notes coming on the draft every day. Uh, right now, we're pedal to the metal for the draft, so make sure you go over to nbabigboard.com uh, as well. Well, look, our listeners want to get in and, and want to talk draft, so let's start right at the top with the Detroit Pistons. Mark, what are you hearing about the Pistons right now? They have the number one pick in the draft. I think pretty much everyone thinks Cade Cunningham's going to be that guy, but I know that they have Jalen Green coming in on Friday uh, to work out. Jalen Suggs also is going to come in. Is Cade a lock to the Pistons at one, in your opinion? I think so, I and mean, that's definitely been the vibe that I've gotten. I think the Pistons are doing the right thing, though. You want to keep everybody guessing. You want that phone to ring with offers. Why not? I mean, look look at Atlanta. Look how much grief they took for the first 
two plus years trading uh, Luca for Trey. But you know now Trey has emerged, and all of a sudden people love Reddish, and teams around the league did not love Cam Reddish the way they do now. And I think people are looking at it, looking at the Hawks, and saying, you know what, maybe the Hawks did this thing right by getting uh, by getting Trey. Uh, and also getting another very good, uh, a potentially very good player. So the Pistons are smart to explore their options, but I have to say that I I haven't really heard a rival team tell me they believe that the Pistons are going to go in a different direction. Yeah, that seems to be the case from, from what I'm hearing as well. I know that Houston Rockets set there at two, and they're in a – they're even further behind in the rebuild than Detroit is right now. I mean, that, that, that whole team is sort of blown apart right now. They do seem the team that is trying to be the most aggressive in getting up, you know, decayed right now. And, you know, whether they can use some of their assets to get another lottery pick. What, what is the sweet spot here? You know, we talk about it's very rare that the first pick in the draft is traded. Really, you go back to 2017. Danny Ainge surprised a lot of people and did it. The Cavaliers did it in 2014, but it was after the draft once they, they knew that they had landed LeBron. You know, you handle so many trade discussions or whatever. Like, trades are really hard, but trading the number one pick is really, really hard. My curiosity on this actually is Oklahoma City. I've just thought, Look, you know Sam Presti keeps the cards as close to the vest as anyone in the business, but just because he's amassed so many draft assets, I mean, if if you have a better handle certainly than I do on, on how good Kate Cunningham is right now, but, you know, I always, the vibe, you know, when I would hear about Cade Cunningham and the buildup to this draft, it was always like, what an amazing thing if he could, if the Thunder could get him, I just want, you know, I just want, you know, Sam could throw four or five picks at Detroit if he wanted to, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't really ruin his stash. I mean, he's probably going to get the, the Thunder will get offered more first round picks in very short order here when teams like New Orleans try to start dumping contracts on the Thunder, so they can replenish picks. I've, I've just, you know, again, this is not reporting, just my curiosity. Why don't the Thunder just? throw some crazy pick-laden offer at, at the Pistons to try to get number one from them. Isn't part of it because Sam Presti always is on the receiving end of those big deals? He's never the one sort of initiating them the other way? I mean, someday he's going to have to trade some of them. They're not going to draft. Even I know they're not going to draft. They're not going to draft all 18 of those first rounders that he has for the next seven years, I don't think. I was just... You know, it's so interesting that you bring this up because I was just talking to a prominent player agent uh, tonight who was asking the same thing. He didn't have him going to to one, but he was like, why aren't the Thunder getting the Cavs pick? Uh, you know, they could take back bad salary. They could offer a few things in return. And, you, you know, he wasn't reporting anything either. He's just like, I can't quite figure out what the game plan is with Oklahoma City because you collect all these assets to ultimately sort of land a star, right? And because of, you know, Poku going crazy in the final game of the season, uh, which sort of hurt the Thunder's, you know, draft standing and then, you know, a bad lottery, Oklahoma City sits at six, which is at the very, very back end, in my opinion, where you're getting a difference maker probably in this draft. And, 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 And Sam doesn't get to choose. It will be whoever drops to him. 
at six. I think there's a kind of a, the, the draft kind of drops off a cliff um, right, right there at the precipice of that. So yeah, why not go and use some of these chips now and go get an Evan Mobley or a, or Jalen Green or a, certainly a Cade Cunningham? That's a really interesting question. Is is this just the case where the mindset always is in collection mode? I mean, at some point you do have to push those chips into the center of the table. I think it's probably more that we just don't know and that he, you know, they're probably working on something and it's Sam and it just hasn't emerged yet. Um, but I think that's, I think that's the philosophy there that, that, you know, they, you can't have enough of those assets because it's so hard to hit on the right, guy i mean it might i mean you know nobody knows that better than philadelphia i mean how many top five picks did they have and what do they have to show for it they've got Embiid and a ben simmons who's you know who appeared broken by the end of of these playoffs so it, it's just so hard to hit even when you're picking in the top five that uh you know he'll be patient because you know that's that's the way he operates, but I, I guess he has a plan. We just don't know it yet. Yeah, you know that's that's really interesting. I just had the author of Built to Lose, Jake Fisher, on the pod a few time, a, a few uh, podcasts ago, and and he was writing about the process and in, in Philadelphia and everything else. And one of the things that that really struck me about that was that you know when Sam Hinkie had this idea that look the draft is basically a crapshoot, and so you try to get as many darts as you can. Right. And then, you know, you hope that one or two of those darts ends up landing. And and, you know, you've you've dealt with a lot of these GMs over the years. And, and you know, I think we we're going to talk about this later, but let's just talk about it right now. How hard is it? Most of the GMs are sort of afraid of the draft, right? Like as smart as they are and with all the analytics or whatever, this is where people, player personnel people get it wrong more than at any other part of their job. I'm afraid of the draft. We worked together for 15 years and I always told people, I loved that you just, you wanted to spend all year long covering the draft because for one, it's become a year round job. You can't, you can't show up in, in, you know, July or obviously this is a weird year because the calendar, but you can't show up after the finals and say, you know what? Okay. In this next week, I'm really going to get a handle on this. No, I mean, it's a year round thing. But then, that, I mean, these the finals that we just witnessed, to me, just slammed home this point. What did we see in the finals? Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the finals, was a number 15 pick. Devin Booker, the Suns' most dependable player in these finals, was a number 13 pick. And Chris Middleton was a second rounder who became a franchise player. And so that right there, to me, just, sh- you know, Again, nobody feels sorry for NBA GMs. These are 30 of the greatest jobs in the world. But it just, I mean, there must be te- countless teams kicking themselves over those three guys alone. Giannis, obviously, there are numerous teams that can give you a tale of woe about, yeah, we saw Giannis, we weren't sure. But, uh, you know, Booker, Middleton, I mean, you know. Drew Holiday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, what did, the, what did the Bucks have one lottery pick on their roster? And it was Brooke Lopez who was low lottery, so it's uh... and 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 uh, and three teams passed on Chris Paul, and frankly, you could probably add a fourth or fifth uh, team that had the chance to get up there and get him and didn't take him. 
you know, it's that this is this is the hard thing about the draft. And if you're on Twitter, it can be brutal. So Giannis is winning a championship, and people are tweeting at me, "Hey, remember on draft night when you said Giannis was one to two years away from playing in the league? Uh, you know, you're an idiot." Uh, and you know, that's that's part of it. You know, I I, I didn't see this coming. Well, go back and look at his year one. I don't I don't I don't think you were that wrong. Look at his year one. I mean, he was. He was miles away from what he is now. I mean, nobody, nobody, the, the Bucks did not believe this. They did not expect this. If they did, John Hammond would have still been in that job, the guy who drafted him. All right, that's some good Pistons talk. Let's get to other teams that possibly uh, might be in trade talks right now as we get closer to the NBA draft. But before we do so, I want to talk to you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible uh, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders those parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouses happen to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money while using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts for a chain store or a car dealership? They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we are back. This is Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, our inaugural YouTube launch with my good friend Mark Stein, who just launched his own newsletter, markstein.substock.com. You can follow him on Twitter at the Stein Line as well. Mark and I go way back, and it's just an honor to have him on the podcast. He was on my very first podcast for the Big Board. We're less than a week away from the draft. We're talking draft trades today. And I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors, Mark. The Warriors have the seventh pick. They have the 14th pick. They had the second pick in the draft last year, took James Wiseman, tried to figure out how to work him in uh, to the the rotation. It was frustrating, I think, for all parties involved. Now they sit there at 7 and 14, and there's so many questions. Do they trade this pick? Do they draft more NBA ready like college seniors like Davian Mitchell or Corey Kispert? Do they do what they did last time and take just what they think is the best prospect available, whether they can help them right away or not? Just so many questions for a Warriors team that's window is closing on a, on winning another NBA championship right now. What's, what's the latest out of Golden State? I mean, the way it was described to me um, by a team that I'll just say has been monitoring Golden State very closely is they want to start. The Warriors want to start, but you know who doesn't want to start? Can you package seven, fourteen, and Wiseman and get a star? You know, when we're talking about stars, that's basically code for Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard. Are either one of those guys really in play at this draft? It's probably more Lillard than Beal at this point. But on both, I mean, I just think the draft might come a step too soon for either one of those guys to be dealt. 
Now, may maybe Washington and Portland are more ready to move than uh, it's being portrayed on the grapevine as we speak. But I don't know if the Warriors have enough to get either one of those guys. And so if, if, if their target is a star and there isn't a clear cut star to get, they might have to make those picks. But I, I, the, the preference from what I gather, I think they want to make a move. They want to make a deal. They want to get a win now player if they can. And, um, I mean, again, I defer to you on what's available at seven and 14, you know, infinitely better than me, but, I'm going to guess not there there isn't a lot of win now depth at that at those Well, I don't think there's the ever win now depth in the in the draft. I think if you historically look at rookies, they're just not good whether they're 22 years old or 18 years old. It it takes a couple of years to make that transition to the NBA. And that doesn't mean that rookies can't get on the floor and play minutes, but helping you win meaningful basketball games in April, May, June that that's that's a different story for most rookies. Uh, they they even even someone like Tyrese Halliburton, who was sort of the guy last year who kind of fit that model, hit a wall uh, with with Sacramento and did not push Sacramento into to the playoffs. And so whether that's Davian Mitchell out of out of Butler or Corey Kispert uh, or Chris Duarte out of Oregon, you know, older prospects that can help you right now. My fear with going that route is they probably can't help you enough right now and you sacrifice the upside of taking some of these younger prospects for a guy that maybe can't help you right now either. So look, I agree with you that I'm hearing the same thing. In fact, virtually every agent that represents a prospect in the draft right now has no belief that the Warriors are actually selecting at seven or 14. And at least some agents have told me that the Warriors have directly told them that that's a likely scenario and they're not going to they're not going to mess with them about it that that's a possibility. So you say star let's 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 just kind of go through these situations for a minute. Let's start in Portland. Damian Lillard, there's a report by our old colleague uh Henry Abbott that you know Damian Lillard was going to ask for a trade. Damian Lillard holds a press conference says no I'm not going to. However, and, and then goes to talk about the changes that need to happen in Portland uh, for him to be happy. It doesn't seem to me, I mean, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, like Neil O'Shea is going to be able to make those changes. I'm not sure what else he has on his roster to sort of make that happen. So at what point does Neil O'Shea look at this and say, I'm going to sell high? Right now, because the longer I wait on Lillard, the more his value starts to go down and he gets aggressive right now with a trade as opposed to sort of waiting this out. And it just seems like every time a general manager waits things out, the value of the prospect that they have doesn't go up, it goes down. I'm sure the Blazers are wrestling with it every second of every day because, look, Damian Lillard does not want to go to them and demand a trade. It's He doesn't want to take that step. But the Blazers, for similar reasons, because Lillard is Portland royalty, I mean, they, you know, trading him is so complicated. I mean, contract-wise, you're, you're right. This is probably the ideal time to do it. He's just starting a long-term deal. And just like with Ben Simmons, you know, there are so many teams out there that aren't free agent destinations that even at the crazy, you know, Lillard's deals, like, almost 200 million over four years. Ben still got about 150 million left on a four-year deal. But when you when you don't get free agents, those are 
appealing contracts to, to teams in unglamorous destinations because you have team control over the contract. So you're right. I, I mean, the Blazers could could very easily get an absolute haul for Damian Lillard right now, but it's so difficult for them to 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 take that step and you know shop him. You start shopping Damian Lillard, and then that gets out. You know how 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 will that play? among a, a Blazers fan base that is already really upset with the coaching search. So it's a really complicated situation. It would be easier for them if Lillard went to them and said, guys, it's time. I, I need to go somewhere else. I just, I, I can't, you know, I have not directly spoken to Damian Lillard, but I think I've watched him long enough to know that and, and to at least project. It's difficult for me to imagine him going to them and directly saying, guys, it's time for me to, you know, move it on. sort of reminds me a little bit, you know, Giannis took this position. I'm going to stay with the team that drafted me and I'm going to win a championship. And he was talking about it at the press conference the other night. Like it would have been easy. He said to go to a super team or sort of demand a trade or leave in free agency. He wanted to do it the hard way. Lillard always strikes me as that type of player as well. The difference is the Bucks built a contender around Giannis. And I, and I think he could see that I, it, it, when you look at the West and you look at this Blazers team right now, it's hard to figure out how you draw the dots, connect the dots to championship contender with the roster that they have right now. And so if they were to get back Wiseman, the seventh pick in the draft, the 14th pick in the draft, Andrew Wiggins is probably part of that deal, you know, just to make the the, the numbers work out is is that enough of a haul for Damian Lillard? You're you're essentially talking about three lottery picks and you know a, a youngish player that that isn't a star but is is a good player in his own right. Is that is that enough for Damian Lillard? My instinct is that Portland would say no. That that's not enough for Damian Lillard. Um, and that's I think what that's that's really where the stalemate comes. I mean I I think the Blazers would try to get you know is and if. Is can Wiggins if is Wiggins the best player in that deal? It's not enough. Now I'm one of those people who I think Wiseman got way too much heat last year for you know a rough rookie season. I mean he barely played in college. It's tougher for big men to make the transition to the pros. Where I was wrong, I mean I couldn't have imagined. You know a year ago I wouldn't have imagined Labelo Ball being a great fit next to Stephen Curry, but it's like when you, it's interesting now, the way the leagues change, you hear so many teams talking about, they want a secondary ball handler. And so now, you know, and you, you could really make the case that LaMelo could have played with Steph and, it, uh, you know, it, it could have worked. And so that's another factor that's adding to the pressure on the golden state side. I still think Wiseman is going to develop and be a very good NBA player, but nobody has any patience. And there's, there's less patience in Golden State than anywhere because they're so used to competing for championships. I, but just again, I, this is not reporting, just my instinct. My instinct is that, <coughs> excuse me, that Portland would say that's not you know, enough. What's, what's interesting too is there is some great stories there, and I think narratives to tell if it's Damian Lillard going back. He's from Oakland. He's going back home. The Blazers did him a solid. Uh, by you know returning him to his home, uh, a very interesting team, and and I'm I'm of the personal belief that given his age and given how you start to see the decline typically, I mean Chris Paul is 
you know, bunking that, you know, in guards after a while, this is probably a really good haul. Wiseman, Wiggins, uh, a couple of lottery picks um, out of it. That that's that's an actually a pretty good haul for Damian Lillard. That's just my opinion. That gives that gives Neil O'Shea a lot of space to to start thinking about a rebuild. He doesn't have to select all of those picks in this year's draft. He could he could trade those. There's a lot of different things. But let's talk then about the. You talked about the Wizards. Bradley Beal, a little bit younger player. Has not demanded a trade either, but it looks like the Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal experiment in Washington isn't going to launch them into the Eastern Conference Finals anytime soon. Is there any incentive in Washington to to maybe take the same deal uh, for Bradley Beal and just start over again? Well, I think in both cases, the stature that the player has with the organization means they get a voice in it too. Now, obviously... Damian Lillard has the Oakland background, like you said. So whereas Dame has said many, many times he wants to retire a Blazer, he wants to win a championship with the team that drafted him, just like Giannis just did in Milwaukee, I would imagine a move to the Warriors to his hometown is something you could sell Damian Lillard on if you really had to twist his arm. Uh, You know, Bradley Beal to this point has said he wants to be in Washington. He's given no indication that he wants to go elsewhere. So I, I think you kind of need to do it with the with some level of cooperation with the player. And, and you know, again, I, I, I can't imagine why any player wouldn't want to go to Golden State and, and, and play next to Steph and Draymond and try to win. But you can't be sure without getting their input. And just to, th- to this point, you know, there's just, there's, you know, at least with Lillard, there's, there's a, there's clear discontent there. There's tension there. there there's, there is some momentum that kind of backs a trade in Washington. I don't think we're there yet. Really, the only indication is the fact that the Wizards are bringing in a first-year coach. That would tend to suggest that maybe the Wizards are more ready to to rebuild than they've said publicly. But they finished the season on such a surge just to get back into the playoffs that you know you could also make the case maybe they do think that. The, the Westbrook Beal pairing has more potential than than maybe outsiders. To me, it. there's nothing worse than being the NBA purgatory of being like just good enough to make the playoffs or just bad enough that you miss the playoffs and you don't get a lottery pick. Like you're you should either be bad or good. Both Portland and Washington seem to be stuck in that NBA purgatory. And again, I'm not sure how Washington turns it around. I'm I, I know you're probably a Denny Avdia fan uh, and, and think Denny is going to be the guy that's going to, you know, put him over the edge. But um, I, I, again, I don't see it. And I think at some point you just have to be realistic about what your roster can and can't do. And, and you, and you rebuild. And again, for Washington, be able to get uh, Wiseman being able to get, you know, seven, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins, uh, you know, 14. The Wizards also have the 15th pick in this draft as well. You can package some of those picks together. Uh, I just think realistically, you know, we're seeing how this game is going to end out, end up in a, in a year or two. Uh, so getting ahead of it as opposed to having your hand forced um, is the right right direction. Let's just talk about one more team here. The Philadelphia 76ers. We, we said star, and I know right now on NBA Twitter, Ben Simmons doesn't qualify, but here's a guy who's made three all-star teams, was runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he 
he's had a good career and his confidence his lack of a jump shot. It's a big problem. I think a lot of folks in the NBA think that Golden State might actually be a good fit for him, take some pressure off him, play him as a, as a small ball five uh, at Golden State where he might thrive in a different way. Would that be a deal that works for both Philly? Because I wonder that it doesn't probably work for Philly, right? Because Philly also is in win-now mode and getting all of those assets is probably not the direction they want. I honestly don't think it works for the Warriors. I don't see how you could, unless Draymond Green is going out, I, I just don't see how Ben Simmons and Draymond Green can play together. I, you know, Draymond Green does a lot of those things that that Ben would be asked to do. And okay, yes, Ben is younger and you know still probably has a higher offensive ceiling with all the points he creates through his defense, through his passing, through the way he, he can run the floor still with all the issues he's having shooting and his free throw shooting and and everything that's going on negative for, for him right now. But it's just not to me, he doesn't make sense in Golden State. And it's the same thing with you know, the Sixers are the you know, Daryl Morey, we're we're holding out for a star. Well, who who's that star gonna be? I mean, there's a lot of interest in Ben Simmons right now, but nobody's putting an offer on the table to my knowledge that really is meeting Daryl Morey's star criteria. You know, CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons is, you know, and obviously there would be a lot of other pieces in it, but that kind of those two as headliners in a trade has been something that's been talked about for a month now. But I mean, I've covered Daryl Morey for a long time. If he's looking at the Blazers roster, he is not looking at CJ McCollum. He thinks he can get Damian Lillard. I don't know how the Sixers could get Lillard. I don't think Ben Simmons as a centerpiece is enough to get Portland to think about doing that. But just that's the kind of mindset that Daryl has. So to me, the Philly Golden State match, I don't really see that, it. You know, and I, I did some hypothetical trades uh, on NBABigBoard.com this week. And one of them was a was a multi-team trade. So Lillard ends up in Philly. Uh, Simmons ends up at Golden State. All those assets go over there. Seth Curry comes over in that deal uh, as well for Golden State to, to, to give them some shooting. Um, wow. I, I think there's a deal there to be had if Neil O'Shea is going to be content with that package. But as you look at what else is out there, uh, I, you know, it's like you said, it's Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard. Uh, I don't know that that's enough. Uh, I actually think the combination of Wiggins, Wiseman, and and a couple of lottery picks, frankly, is probably better uh, for a rebuild in Portland than just bringing in Ben Simmons. I think, again, sometimes you just got to be realistic about what's, what's out there. If we've seen what Russell Westbrook's been traded for the last couple of times. We wouldn't have, have fathomed that like a couple of years ago. And, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm rah-rah in. Uh, and and that, that's the deal that I think should happen. I actually think Ben Simmons in Golden State. I, I think Damian Lillard in Philadelphia. I love Lillard and Embiid. I think that's a really interesting. I think Blazers should hoard all those picks together. And, uh, and let's just see what happens. Well, I think the difference in those three situations, the big one is, again, Lillard and Bradley Beal, their standing with their franchises 
would suggest that they're going to have a say in where they end up. Whereas Ben Simmons, I think Ben really has to brace for, you know, he's just going to get traded somewhere. I mean, he just doesn't really have, I, to, to, from what I see, I just don't think he's going to be able to kind of dictate where he goes. You see all kinds of team, you know, Minnesota, Cleveland, Sacramento, Indiana, all those teams have been, already linked with Ben Toronto is another team I've heard that's expressed some interest in, in trying to find a way to get Ben. So he's just going to, if Daryl Morey finally finds the deal he likes, he's just going to get traded and he has to be ready for whatever. All right. He's Mark Stein. You can read his stuff now over on his new Substack newsletter. That's markstein.substack.com. If you're interested in some of those trade scenarios I just talked about, you can go over to my website at nbabigboard.com, both part of Substack. Mark's uh, been joining us. We're going to talk about trades. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Lakers. But first, did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors and the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everybody. I'm a big coconut guy. I think it tastes like a Mounds Bar. One of the crazy things about Built Bars is they're they're gooey. Uh, they're, they're not dry at all. They taste actually like a candy bar. And one of the craziest things about them is that they're actually healthy for you. They taste like a candy bar. I have to like fight my kids away uh, from those Built Bars, but they have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. Order today, get the raspberry, the mint brownie, do what I do with a coconut or coconut almond if you like Almond Joy. Uh, Whatever you like, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, he's Mark Stein. He just launched a new Substack newsletter, markstein.substack.com. Hope you'll check it out. Check him out on Twitter at the Stein Line. We've been talking NBA trades as they affect the draft. I know everybody wants to know what are the Lakers going to do. They have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. Not sure it's enough anymore, uh, right, to win a championship. Now, what else are they going to add to this mix in L.A.? Uh, to get them over the top, given how many contenders there are in the West. And now you look at this Bucks team as well, and certainly the Nets and Philadelphia. And there's some, for the first time in a long time, a number of serious contenders uh, in the East as well. How do the Lakers get better? Yeah, so I do this Friday column on my Substack that I call This Week in Basketball. And in the first one that I did, I reported that the Lakers are really on the hunt to add, again, that secondary creator. They want a proven, dependable ball handler. And the reason is they know that even though Anthony Davis doesn't love playing the five, and then even though LeBron James does not like relinquishing the ball, the Lakers have been fantastic. They've been at their best these last couple seasons when Davis moves to the five and LeBron plays some four. So they would like to get someone who can 
play the one and you know lessen LeBron's playmaking mode and and let his playmaking load. And let's face it, I mean LeBron is getting up there in age and is not indestructible anymore. So asking him to playmake for forty minutes a night is probably not the wisest idea. The problem is the Lakers, as all their fans surely know by now, they are they're they have they're facing such salary cap limitations this summer that um, no matter who you name and you know can they explore a reunion try to get Lonzo Ball back Chris Paul you know I, I I think you would expect him to stay with the Suns after the Cinderella season they had but if Chris Paul's going to explore going anywhere obviously going back to Los Angeles and playing alongside LeBron James something he's always wanted to do you would think that would be something that Chris Paul looks into. Um, I know that there's been talk that maybe they, they would try to trade for Westbrook. But again, all of those things are so complicated because of the various financial issues that the Lakers face. I mean, really, the easiest thing would be re-signing Dennis Schroeder. But Dennis Schroeder wants crazy money. Dennis Schroeder thinks he's a $100 million player. He's already turned down an extension in the $80 millions. And the vibe from the Lakers really is that I think they'd rather move on from Schroeder. I don't think they see Schroeder as a starter. I think they, they like him as a six man, but they want something more out of their backcourt, their main backcourt guy. So the Lakers have all these kind of aims, these lofty aims, how they're going to achieve it. My math ain't good enough to tell you that right now. I, I, I'm i as curious as anyone to see how yeah, they pull this off. It seems like the only way that they're going to be able to financially afford it is to do a sign and trade with Schroeder. But then you're talking about a team that's going to be willing to take back whatever contract Dennis Schroeder is willing to take, which might just be too rich for anybody's for anybody's blood right now, You know whether that would be Phoenix or... Uh, you know, something with the with the Wizards, with Russell Westbrook or whatever. It does seem like the Lakers have painted themselves into a corner a little bit, and and uh, and Kyle Kuzma as a trade bait is and and the number twenty two. They have the number twenty two pick in the draft might not be enough to get them what they need. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I mean, look, Kuzma's been available at various points, and you're not gonna you're. I don't think it's going to get you in the running for the kind of, of players that we're talking about here, but you know, they're going to try and um, you, you st- it's funny. It's just the way this league works that even without flexibility, you still hear so much chatter about what, what the Lakers are working on and, and trying to get done. I mean, they, they, they know they, they know that they need to add, to add some playmaking. And, you know, let's see if Rob Polinka. We can could say the off. same thing about the Knicks, right? The Knicks surprised people. I, I, I certainly was surprised. I did not think this was a playoff team at the start of the season. The Knicks go in, uh, make a surprising playoff run. But then I think reality hits them in the face in the playoffs. And they know, okay, this team alone isn't going to do it. They have the 19th and 21, 21st picks in the draft. And uh, Knicks fans are super excited. But again, history says, look, they drafted the older guy, Obi Toppin, Last year, Tom Thibodeau didn't really, you know, give him a lot of run. And, and you know, when he got in the game, you know, his impact was questionable. Is there something out there for the Knicks? They've got a ton of cap room uh, this summer. They're one of the teams that yeah, has cap room. They, they, 
they have all the financial flexibility. And so, look, there's a lot, you know, Leon Rose had a great first full season in charge and the Knicks played it safe at every turn. And, and, you know, they made very modest moves like trading for Derek Rose in season, which turned out to be a great boost to their team. You know, people thought, oh, this is going to ruin quickly, but it didn't, you know, Rose worked out really well there um, coming in midstream. Um, but, the Knicks are in New York, and if expect you know, expectations among Knicks fans always very high. But you know they're in the same city as the Nets, who collect stars for sport. I mean the 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 Nets are you know Durant, Harden, and Irving. A star trio doesn't get bigger than that. So ultimately, I think Leon Rose knows he's going to be judged on bringing in at least one star level player. And so that's you know there's been a lot of talk about Sexton. Maybe them, maybe them trying to swing a trade for Sexton. I just is that the is that the move the Knicks really want to make? You know, is it better for them to try to stay a little bit more patient and see if they can get a deal for for a Bradley Beal, someone we know the Knicks are interested in? And then again, I think it has to be in the back of the Knicks' mind that if Lillard does become available, like it's so natural for the Knicks to go after him. That, you know, there's always been kind of this chatter that if Lillard eventually does leave the Blazers, he that you know the, the assumption is, you know, Damian's never announced this, but the assumption is that he would want to go to a major market like the Knicks. So if you're the Knicks, do you really want to give up a lot of assets for a Colin Sexton trade now and then find out three months later, six months later that you know it impacts your ability to get Damian? And Lillard? by the way, there's a reason uh, that. Colin Sexton is available, uh, despite the fact that as a, a player installed in his rookie contract, he averaged 25 points a game uh, last season. There's a reason that Cleveland is out there not necessarily wanting to sign him. And, and you know, that's got to raise a red flag in New York, uh, you know, as well. Would you, if you were the Knicks GM, give up your assets to go get, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, R.J. Barrett, uh, you know, for example, you know, Obi Toppin, you know, some some of those young assets that they have that are intriguing to add that extra star. Or is the window just not quite right? When you look at Milwaukee, when you look at Brooklyn, when you look at uh, where Philadelphia uh, is right now, it, can the Knicks really do make a move here that puts them into playoff or, or championship contention right now? Or is that just not even the goal anymore? It's just fine to be in the playoffs. I would try to be a little more. I would. I would try to be a little bit more patient if I could. I think, kind of the talk during the season was that the Knicks had restored themselves to a place that stars do look upon the Knicks more favorably now than they did. You know, obviously the year Durant and Kyrie Irving were free agents, they chose the Nets over the Knicks, and you know Durant did the famous interview where he said, you know, the Knicks really aren't the cool thing right now. Um, the Knicks are cooler. I don't know if they're quite the cool thing yet, but they're cooler than they were. So you're not winning the East next year. To me, they're better off waiting for a certifiable star than just going after Sexton now. If they could get Sexton without impacting their ability to be in the running for that next quote disgruntled star who comes available, then that's that's something else. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm I'm still 
I'm probably staying on the patient route a little bit longer. Well, the one thing that we do know is that there will probably be a trade on draft night. I've never covered a draft where there isn't a trade. Uh, usually there's a couple of trades even right before. We always take these trade rumors and say, oh, there's so much smoke. Most trades don't happen. But then also the other thing is true, that that trades do happen. Drew Holiday got traded uh, and it, was, it turned out to be a massive uh, trade. Russell Westbrook and John Wall get swapped. If you were to make a prediction right now, because it seems like you're a little down on Lillard getting traded or, you know, uh, Bradley Beal getting traded right now. A player that gets drafted before the end of July, let's say, who is it? I mean, I, I think I think there's a chance on Lillard. I mean, you know, I don't. he's not pushing for it. At least that's the way it looks. But just because there is so much tension there, I, I would think there's more of a chance with him, I, I, you know, Beal is the harder one for me to see. And then, the, you know, Ben Simmons is just, it's, it's really what the Sixers, you know, if the Sixers hold firm to what they expect out of a Simmons trade, it will slow things down there. I mean, it's just, it's hard to evaluate right now. You know, there are some people, I'm sure you're getting the same thing. I talked to some people who are saying Ben Simmons will not start next season in Philadelphia. And then I talked to other teams that say, you know what? Daryl Morey is as likely as any executive to let Simmons start next season in Philly if he has to, because he's not going to worry about locker room tension or any awkwardness. He's going to he's going to do whatever he has to do to get the best deal. And if waiting is what he has to do to get the best deal, there are teams out there that think he would. So that's why it just makes it it makes it difficult to say. But I, I do agree with you. I think we're going to see a lot of action. And it's going to come faster because the draft is a week away and free agency. There's not a lot of cap room sloshing around. But as we saw last season, now the deals happen so fast in free agency that one, two, three days in, there's going to be a ton of movement. Well, I know where I will be getting my free agent information this year. It's going to be at markstein.substack.com. Uh, Mark has been on top of this for years. And as we roll into this trade season, and I think we're there uh, now, now that the finals are over and then roll into free agency starting August 2nd, markstein.substack.com is going to be the place to go. Go over there, subscribe, support Mark. Uh, he's been a legend in our field for the longest time and just one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And that's just another great reason to support markstein.substack.com you can follow him at the stein line as well and if you're so inclined and you're really into the draft you can come over to nbabigboard.com and subscribe to my newsletter as well and we're just going to be flooding you with draft information and maybe there'll be a trade or two which will shake up the mock drafts and what have you finally the last thing we're going to say is that if you really are into mock drafts, there's the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from myself, NBA experts Brian Scalabrini, former Suns general manager Ryan McDonough, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades with your favorite basketball teams throughout the week-long special event. Uh, we're right, right at the end of it now. Search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on a great launch for your newsletter. 
and we'll all subscribe and follow you closely over the next few weeks. Thank you for all the kind and beautiful words, my friend, and have fun next week. It's your time. Enjoy it, man. All right. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.